Hola, hola, chulas. Hi there. We are experts in intuitive eating for on-again, off-again chronic dieters, and we are here to help you take the guilt and stress out of eating so you can become the first in your family to break the diet cycle, just like we are in our families. We want you to be who you are without food guilt. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, No More Guilt for Melissa and Your Latina Nutritionist for Delina. Are you ready? Let's break the diet cycle. Hola Chula, it's me, Dalida. Before we start, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Your Latina Nutrition. What you are about to listen to is not a professional coaching or counseling session. Each episode is a one-time conversation meant for educational purposes. We are dietitians, but we're not your dietitian. Remember that podcasts don't constitute treatment. If you have concerns about your dieting behaviors, seek out guidance from a medical or mental health professional. And if you're looking for a community, tools to ditch the diet, help with finding authentic health and keeping your culture alive, join my membership brought to you by today's sponsor, me. Do you remember the words, I comida en casa? or there's food at home whenever you asked your mom to go get pizza on the way home from school or just like literally anything else. <laughs> that mentality sticks with us. Our moms did everything by hand, at least my mom did, and taught us not to waste money. So it makes sense if you feel guilty for wanting to eat out nowadays. In this episode, we've enlisted fellow registered dietitian, Shauna Spence, to help you enjoy eating out as an intuitive eater listening to your body, and doing it without guilt. Before we start, have we told you lately how much we appreciate you? We appreciate that so many of you are out there breaking the bonds of generational diatrauma by opening your minds and learning with us. It really means something, you know? And Delina and I created this podcast because our mission is to break the diet cycle for the next generation. And we know that can't happen without you. That's why if you found benefit from this podcast, we really want you to review and rate us. You know, someone just like you is feeling really lost right now. And by rating and reviewing the podcast, you make it more likely that she's going to find the information she needs, just like you did, to break free from the diet cycle. Will you chip in with us and rate or review the podcast today? Hello, hello, Shauna. Hi. I'm so excited that you're here. Same. So today we're going to be talking about some fun stuff that, you know, Instagram and TikTok trolls love to so fun. talk crap about. <laughs> Delina but, versus the trolls. You I know, know. All, the, all the live long all day. All the freaking time. But Shauna, can you introduce yourself? Let everybody know who you are and then yeah. we'll, we'll get talking about some processed foods. Okay. Awesome. So my name is Shauna. I am a anti-diet, non-diet approach, haze dietitian, all of that jazz, <laughs> pro-processed foods. Um, <laughs> I should add that to my title. Based in Brooklyn. And I, I have my like nine to five working for department of health, but then I do my own thing, a little bit of counseling, a little bit of consulting. And I feel like Instagram is my third job. So <laughs> yes. So I guess that's why I'm here, but yes. So that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> yes. So I think that one of the biggest things is that most people assume Processed foods are bad one, but to like all fast food or, or all food that we're ordering out is technically processed foods, right? So like mm -hmm. today we really want to focus on like why we shouldn't feel guilty when we're 
eating out or ordering mm-hmm. out and, and really like dive into how like we can do that as an intuitive eater. Right. And so really the first question, you know, that, that I want to like, kind of like talk to you about is like, why do we think that people feel guilty when they're eating out? I think it's because of what we're told, right? Especially now being what the third, second ish year into the pandemic, <laughs> I'm losing track. Sorry. We're still um, here. We're still yeah, here. I, know. We're still here. <laughs> I, I just feel like there's that, you know, I don't know if you guys uh, remember back in the day, it was like, cook at home, make your own foods. Cause they're going to be whole foods. And I'm using quotations like whole foods. And I think that kind of came back now with, you know, folks working from home and people like, well, let's make your own food. You know, it'll be better for you. Let's process. So I think that kind of stuck with people where they think that every single time they get a meal from the outside, that's not in their kitchen, that it's bad for them. Even if it's like, I don't know when you could go to a restaurant and order, I'm just making something up here, like chicken, spinach, potatoes. Someone will be like, well, it has too much of this in it. Or, you know, you should just make it at home because you know what's in it, right? Because you don't know what the restaurant is putting in it. What if they're like, you know, putting some scary chemical in it? And I I always laugh at that because I'm just like, well, what about water? (laughs) I'm sure if we wrote out water, like people would be like, oh my God. Um, So I just... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think that's where it stems from partially. But yeah, I think that we're just always told that whenever we're getting something from the outside, that it's just bad for us. I'm thinking of like the sourdough starter situation. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Yes. Like, and it was like almost like a status symbol. Like, not only am I making it myself, I'm starting with the yeasts. Like, exactly. I'm beginning oh with gosh. like, and it's like this Olympics to see how rustic you can get as you make your food by hand. I was like, I will be purchasing my sourdough. Oh, delicious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, no offense to anyone who bakes, but I just, I, you know, I don't really personally. Yeah, and like, that's the thing. To. Like, if, if, if that like brought you joy in the chaos of that, like, there was control and joy and mindfulness go to town but exactly it's not better it's just a way of getting it's a different approach exactly it's bread (laughs) it's just bread but I think yeah I think I definitely this is a lot of what people are thinking and like I always think about growing up Latina like my mom would always be like there's food at home Mm -hmm. (laughs) like why are you eating out like why are we eating out there's food at home or like you shouldn't waste, right? Like we should be eating what's in the fridge. We should be eating what's at home. We should not be wasteful at all, which again, definitely comes from a lot of people growing up and like maybe lower income or just like having less access to food. Eating what was home was what was impo- like what everybody had to do, right? You had mm-hmm. to eat what was there. You, you couldn't waste. And so like, I feel like that also plays a big role, right? In, in yeah. all of this, because it is, it is a privilege to start a sourdough. What is it? Is it sourdough? <laughs> I don't freaking know. I didn't try it. I was like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> you, you had difficulty with the pizza stone, Delina. So yeah. I- oh my God. Remember that? <laughs> I remember there were a lot of confused text messages that week. Asking. <laughs> so you buy, I buy my pizza dough, which probably Me isn't too. great either from like Trader Joe's, you know, it has already made, but I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> my pizza stone didn't heat up, Shauna. That was this the was problem. A, this wasn't a problem with like the, the food ingredient. It was with the, the yeah. stone itself. It was the stone oh. it was, we were, we were going to basics. <laughs> yeah. Like it was awful. Like it would not get hot. Like I would yeah. put it in the oven for hours. Oh, there was a point, it was a day where I did the whole, like I was like, it was in there for three hours and I texted her and I was like, it's been in here and it won't get hot. 
<laughs> this is another, this is, uh, we had to go to the producer yeah. for, anyway, anyway, continue, continue. I agree though. I think that like the, um, definitely it can come from like socioeconomic stuff. Like there's mm-hmm. food at home. Mom can't be stopping at McDonald's every day because it can be expensive, et cetera. Mm-hmm. For me growing up, I think my mom compared herself to her mother and her mother did enjoy and had the traditional wife moment, you know, as that construct was, she also was working in factories and all that, but she held herself accountable to making the food. So then my mom felt guilty about it. And I could see myself feeling like, see, I'm supposed to cook too. So I feel like there's like a Russian nesting doll of guilt. (laughs) Oh, that's so true. Yeah. Because thinking of that now, like my parents said the same thing and it's true because I kind of carry that with me now, like even as an adult, like I'm just you know, I have food at home, but, and personally, I'm just going to like full disclosure. I don't like to cook. You know, I know I'm like one of those rare dietitians. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like I, you know, I don't really enjoy it. And so for me, there's still that, okay, I should be trying to make something right at home. And so there is that guilt, even though probably shouldn't feel guilty, but my dad loved to cook and he would always be the first one to say, we can just get it at home. You know, we have food at home or he'd want, we'd go out to eat and he was like, I'm going to make this at home. And so, yeah, it definitely has carried <laughs> with me. <laughs> Did he compare his meals to like the food? Cause I have an aunt like that. My yes. is so like that. She'd be like, I would have made this better. <laughs> yes. No, 100%. He would be, he would call over the waiter and be like, what's in this? I'm like, dad, like, just stick to what you know. Yeah. <laughs> like we did choose to be here. We don't need to. I know exactly. <laughs> assault them. Exactly. Oh my gosh. And then I think the other thing I think we could all agree on that causes a lot of guilt around this is the portion distortion that we have mm-hmm. in our country, I will mm-hmm. say, but also like sodium, fat, sugar, all of these things, especially now, like in Philly, they have to put all of this information on the menu, which can be very scary to someone who doesn't understand that information. And also because the portions are usually not like a traditional portion. I mean, I've said this, I think on the podcast before, like I used to work at the Olive Garden, so I know. You know, those chain restaurants are like, you you know, know, if you give them more than a scoop, you're in big old trouble. You need to (laughs) measure that, measure that shit out. That spoon that we used for the soup. I mean, not for the soup, for the soup too, but for the dressing, two of them, that is all. And the salad lady, if she caught you on there making your own salad. The unit, price, the unit price of dressing is like gasoline. Like that's a lot. It's a lot per unit. They cannot be giving away the ranch like that, Delina. Jesus. If the salad lady caught you making your own salad, that was the end of your shift. Okay. Oh no. Um, but, but the distortion is real. Yeah. And, and it's scary to see, you know, these numbers on the menu. So I think that does add to a lot of the guilt, right? And, and I hear a lot of people, at least in my world, be like, when I go to like the Dominican Republic and eat from McDonald's, it's so different. The food is different. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, wow. the menu is different. The sizes are very different. Mm-hmm. The menu is very, very different. Like they have plantains on the mm-hmm. menu over there. Okay. Uh, they have like different sauces sometimes too. Like they do cater to the, to the population. When I was in Italy studying abroad, the McDonald's there was popping. Yeah. 
I heard they had like mozzarella sticks or I don't yeah. know. I watched those Buzzfeed, you know, yeah. like how it comes yeah. up randomly on Facebook sometimes. Yeah. It was, it was in the, it was, um, it was like in one of the piazzas by the Coliseum and it was made of marble. It was like fancy. Oh my gosh. See? Fancy AF. Okay. But yeah, it was like, it was different. And the, and the portions are smaller there. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, but it's a treat there, right? Like people usually use it as a treat more of like, I think we're going to get into this. I mean, I'm going to get into this conversation of like when you're in other countries, there is more access to food. There is more access to people. There's always sometimes somebody at home cooking for you. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of people have the privilege of even hiring someone to cook for them. That's a big thing in our countries. If you have money, you have someone to clean, you have somebody to to cook for you. And if not, a lot of uh, one parent is coming home because work-life balance is a little different as well. Um, (laughs) And so there's, there's the ability to cook. So Mm -hmm. going out to eat is a treat. Mm-hmm. Okay, as opposed wait. to here you're blowing my mind a little bit uh, though what what do you mean girl well no no because I'm thinking of another conversation I had where a friend of mine texted me and she's like do you feel like other countries have a better relationship with food because like that's cultural for them oh, or yes, it's the I lifestyle and I'm like yes it's that but then and then she was trying to make a parallel of like what about like body sizes. People always make assumptions that Americans are bigger and why are other countries smaller? And I tried to pull her away from that for just a moment because size has so, there's so many things that impact size. Mm-hmm. But I also wonder about like how explicit diet culture is in our, like in America, the diet mm-hmm. industry, I, from my observation is like in your face. So like, what about, Boy. I don't like other countries, is that there, that food guilt and that scarcity from dieting as much I don't really know the answer different. It's okay. different. I think so you know like it's it's weird because sometimes I get comments from people from you know who knows where all over the world and you know it's interesting that they follow because you know of course primarily what I talk about is diet culture and they always say we don't have this in our country like um and I think that's a big thing where was this woman from Oh gosh, somewhere in the Caribbean. Um, And I forgot what I was talking about, probably something about cultural foods or, you know, something to that nature. And she was like, it's always amazing whenever I read your post, because this is like the first time I hear about these things. You know, Um, she was saying like, we eat, like you were saying, Delina, like we love, it's a very much cultural aspect, which is, I think a big thing, you know, and I'm glad you brought up the work balance life, because in this country, I have to say it's very problematic, right? Like the overtime, even working from home, it's not really a vac- it's not at all like a vacation. I'll say that. Um, even if you have, you know, especially when you have a family. And so I think that sometimes we struggle with the comparison when people are like, well, why are folks like eating differently in other countries? I'm like, you have to look at different aspects. You know, it's not just ingredients. It's not just, you know, all these things. It's like, how are they working? You know, how are they viewing food? Because in most other countries, it is like an actual thing you know in Spain they go home and eat like it's there and then they take their you know little nap after which I'm all for <laughs> so you know it's it's yeah <laughs> I know I just saw on the news yesterday Belgium yeah. passed the law that it it's going to be illegal for people to like you know or for employers to expect people to answer them after hours like the law is like you can turn off your computer yes. at 3 p.m if you're done at 3 p.m and you don't have to answer until you come home and that's kind of <laughs> in the United States. And I also want to say that 
in many cultures around the world is generational housing. So I said, mm. like, yeah, a lot of people have people that cook for them and even sometimes help. But a lot of the times is the abuela there, right? It's someone else from the family who's retired, who is no longer working, who can provide that meal for that child coming home from school or for, for the parents coming home from school. And it's like a multi-generational home a lot mm. of the times. Mm-hmm. Like for my mom, it was very much like you come home from school and you eat real food because the food that they're giving you in school is <laughs> not real. That peanut butter and jelly is not real. So you have to come home and you have to eat a bowl of rice and beans. Um, <laughs> and so I think there's just so much nuance, right? And so when we're living in this country, we have to kind of like let go of those ideas because we don't have the same lifestyle here. And so eating out, ordering out can become a stress reliever for a lot of people Mm -hmm. because you don't have time to cook because you're working so hard. I kind of want to shift that a little though, because like stress reliever sounds like an an optional bubble bath. Like it is, it has the outcome of relieving stress. I agree, but it's not, sometimes that's a means of survival, like making sure that you like, I I almost want to put that in the the category of need versus a want around going Mm -hmm. out to eat or getting takeout Mm -hmm. or pre uh, pre prepped convenience type type foods. This thing you're mentioning about like generational housing, is really hitting me like this idea that like we are asking ourselves to do so much in such a short period of time. It's more than one person can handle. Sometimes mm. eating out isn't about hedonism. It's not like, mm, ooh la la, delicious. I want the flavors, which is wonderful and fine and good. Like sometimes it's about like, I have this much energy. I'm about to snap. My kids are hungry. <laughs> We've yes. got no food. Survive. Oh my gosh. It's so true. And that's the thing, you know, I think someone on, and I'm going to like mess up this quote, but someone was like, you have the, the caption was you have the same 24 hours as, as Beyonce. And someone underneath was like, no, we do not because she has all this help. And that goes for a lot of, you know, celebrities and, you know, what have you, because we, we always do that comparison and we're like, well, why don't we look like, which is a lot of other things. Yes. But why don't we look like them? Why, you know, why do they look so great? I'm like, look at all of this, look at all of this help, look at all the nannies, look at all of the housekeepers, look at all the cooks, all this stuff. And it's just like, you know, this comparison, even amongst our selves are the regular folks, right? <laughs> we do a lot of comparisons. So regular that's, regular that's an excellent point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. And so like, what we want to do here kind of is like, take that guilt away, take that shame away. And we really want to discuss how can we approach eating out mm-hmm. in a more positive way? Um, as an intuitive eater, like, how do we take that pressure away? Mm. So I think the one thing is to really, and I know, I, I feel like I say this a lot, but it's, it's really a good step is to just diversify who you're looking at. Um, because a lot of times when I say that, I mean, social media, cause we're all, you know, like we all have our social media on our phones. Right. And I think that's a good step because when you really break down what you're constantly swiping on, it might look the same. It might be like constantly a different influencer or different whoever telling you, okay, like let's do this grocery shopping, make a list, like do all this. Like you can cook, you know, all of these things or, you you know, and you have to really think about, okay, but is that 
really going to help me? So I think that's always like a good place to start and also realize intuitive eating. I think sometimes it sounds like a set of rules, um, even though, of course, I, I always talk about it. But I think sometimes people are confused, right, with the principles. They're just like, oh, I have to I have to like do do this. And I'm just like, there's there's a lot of nuance there. There's things that are missing. <laughs> but yeah, it can sound like it can sound like a diet. <laughs> Well, we feel like the last episode we just recorded was literally about this. The oh. we're talking about it. Um, so they're going to be listening to it and being like, oh, this is all making sense now. No, yeah. <laughs> it's all, it's all we coming assume. together. We, we, we hope. hope. Yeah, we hope. We hope. We hope. Yeah, it sounds, you know, because I get it. People are confused. And also, I always say, like, intuitive sounds like intuition. Yes. Right. Like, we want that whole, like, you know, food freedom, but it, it's more than just, okay, my stomach is growling. Let me eat. Like that's what people think, which again, yes, but there's a lot more, <laughs> there's a lot more to consider. <laughs> much more involved than that. So yes. Um, and, and I think I also want to say something that, you know, I'm constantly talking about on my page is like, there's no need to healthify everything either that you order oh, yeah. out. Like you are allowed to want a delicious, greasy, amazing slice of pizza and you want to have some French fries in it and you want to have a Coca-Cola with it. Like you're mm-hmm. allowed to want that and have it. And it's allowed to nourish your soul. You don't need to add a salad to it. You don't need to put a vegetable on it. Like you're allowed to enjoy this food. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. You, you, you can, know, you can eat something else the next day or at the next meal, but mm-hmm. you, you have the choice, right? And it, it kind of makes me think about a conversation I had with a one-on-one client who, again, she she's a therapist, constantly working, was not allowing herself breaks in between clients. And then at the end of the day, she would be so hungry that she would just like walk out to the literally the pizza store that was ac- across the street and like go, go ham, as I mm-hmm. say, like just go crazy. And a lot of what the work we did together was like, you're allowed to do that. You're also allowed to pick other things. So I think like, it's important for everybody to realize like when you order out, it's a restaurant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's so many options. And I promise you that if you ordered out every single day (laughs) from that same place, you would probably be able to pick something delicious and different every single day. So Mm -hmm. you're allowed to focus on the satisfaction. You're allowed to focus on what that, what your body needs that day. Are you really craving vegetables? Order a salad. But if you're not, you're really craving a pizza, order that. Like Mm -hmm. that's the nuance and the beauty of intuitive eating and, and, and using this framework, not rules Mm -hmm. um, to be able to choose and pick what's going to work for you at that meal at that time. Totally. Am I making sense? Yes. I think your light bulb's going off. I am. Yes. I'm I'm always like, I'm always going, (laughs) my brain is like faster than I can talk. It is (laughs) the great burden of my life. Yeah. No, I'm just thinking about how true it is. And that for a lot of people, the problem is that they don't see eating out as like a tool, right? A tool to cope, a tool to fuel yourself. And tools can be chosen for a little while and put down at other times. And so when you hear about your client, like it sounds like she's working through her self-care in the earlier part of her day. And while she sorts out what that means to her and what she wants to do, hell yes, go eat the pizza. Hell yes, mm-hmm. go Because right now the, the restaurant as a tool is helping you get from A to B. 
in your Mm -hmm. life. And that might not be forever. So for the people who are like, but Delina, I am going to the pizza store every day and I am eating pizza every day. Make it make sense. It's okay. That's not forever. That's not forever. So that's that's what's going on up here. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that you could work on too. Well, like we worked on that. We worked on the fact that she was going to the pizza place every single day and she was ordering the pizza every single day. And we were able to work on that, but it's really hard to do that when you're stressed, when you're not taking time to take breaks throughout the day, when your, your life is in shambles and other parts and and all your body wants is to be nourished and that pizza looks freaking good right mm-hmm. and it's funny because now all these client stories are coming into my head but last night in our group coaching call in the chula club somebody was like thank you for always talking about this because i have a built-in takeout day in my meal planning for the week for me and my family because i know that's a busy day because i know that you know my partner and i just are working late that day and we don't have time so mm-hmm. we know ahead of time that we're going to be able to come home and relax because our meal is going to be delivered soon so it's a tool like melissa said like you are allowed to utilize it and we live in a world of convenience right now at least if i would hope or think that a lot of people listening to this podcast have the privilege to be able to order out and and use it as a tool because Mm -hmm. that's another conversation for another day (laughs) but But that's like the root question is like we're not in our parents context or generation Mm -hmm. and they taught us how to think and feel effectively right so like when we just carry that forward without saying like okay that made sense for them at the time they were in and for a lot of times honestly when you look at your parents it didn't really work for them either yeah. but you know <laughs> that's 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 their stuff like it's okay for you to right now ask yourself like how does convenience fit in my life if you are what's that the pioneer woman like on the food network she's like her whole value is like, like oh my gosh like, yes i know who you're I mean, talking about i oh do like watching her though do you see my mason no shade yeah no shade <laughs> But yes. like, I, I feel like the values of like bootstraps, pioneer women, like if that is you and you look at it and you go, that's me, that's what I want for my life, go to town. But if you're like, you know what? I really do value my career. I do. I, I yeah. want to grow in my career. And that means I need convenience. I need DoorDash. I need a dry cleaner. I need help yep. because I can't do it all. Yep. <sighs> it's a hard there's thing nothing to wrong with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's a lot of guilt, you know, from looking at the generations previous, or I think now because we're in this like social media era, I think it's looking sure. at people and assuming that they're the ones doing everything when in fact they're not. There's a lot of behind the scenes help happening, which is fine. But, you know, I think that, you know, that's why comparing is sometimes not the best. It's also important to point out that if you're like Sean and I and hate cooking, yeah. it's also okay to order out. Exactly. That's why I say <laughs> I do not like it. pro-processed foods. <laughs> People are like, what? I'm like, yeah, yes, no. pro-processed uh, foods. <laughs> yeah. So Shauna, is that, where, is that where that comes from for you? Like, why have you made that such a core part of your message? I'm just curious why you're like such a champion. Yeah, because I think that people just demonize words like, and it's processed is one of them. I always talk about that where everything we eat is processed. 
you know, even if you are getting the fruits and vegetables, like the fresh produce, that was processed to some degree as well. Yes, we even have ultra processed, right? And even the ultra processed foods, like Lena and I were at uh, a food fluence conference. <laughs> yes, when when like they were milk. talking yeah. about the yeah the plant based foods, yeah. which are fine if that's your go to, but those are all considered ultra processed. Yeah. So again, why are we demonizing the word? And I think that's where a lot of fear comes from. And mm-hmm. that's where a lot of distrust comes from when people choose foods is yeah. because they're just like, oh, I shouldn't be eating anything processed. And it's like, no, it's, it's actually okay. Because, you know, it's, it, it's just a word, you know, it just means that something has been extended maybe with shelf life or something has been, you know, mixed up, like, you know, the bags of salad, which would be considered convenience. And folks would be like, oh, that's really healthy. That's processed. Right. And that's super convenient. I'm a big fan. <laughs> I have, nice, I have nice thought of those in my fridge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to invite everyone to think about what oats must go through to become milk. This is exactly. exceptional that in our generation, oh a grain has become milk. I can't get over that. I can't get over the popularity of it. Like no offense to anyone who likes it, but I think it's fascinating. I'm like, what else is going to become milk? Like we already have almonds. Cashews. We already have like yeah, do, we want, do we want to just like make some early bets here? We can record it. <laughs> like it will be- what will be next? <laughs> Bananas became milk. I just had somebody send me banana milk. Yes, same, same. And I was like, oh, this tastes good, but it did. It was, again, just, it was just bananas. But that's the thing. They call it milk. And, and that's the buzzy thing, right? Because yeah. it's technically not milk because it's, it's not dairy. It's not, you know, everybody yeah. has like, everybody's like, call it nut milk. And then that's a whole nother story. Yeah. <laughs> But it's not technically milk because this banana milk that we received um, is just blended bananas, almost like a smoothie. Mm-hmm. And then they add like the strawberry one had strawberries in it. The kids liked that one. The other one had chocolate in it. It was just they added cocoa powder, you know, right. cacao, whatever, whatever. Don't, don't know. What, what does added, that but... tell you about like our default belief? Yeah. The default belief then is that regular milk is quote bad. That yeah. that's, the, that's the only reason why yeah. alternate milks can exist because people mm-hmm. go, oh, because that's implicitly bad. These ones must be good and better and yeah. may or may yeah. not be true. Depending and the on the alternatives are ultra processed because yeah. look at oh. all the processing they have mm-hmm. to go through, but people mm-hmm. think that they're the healthier ones. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just, again, it's the words that we use. So, you know, and milk, yeah, like regular milk, like I get people, you know, if that's their ethical beliefs or maybe, you know, intolerant, but milk is so good for you. Like when you actually look at the nutrition label, you know, and you see, oh, the protein, oh, the vitamins, the mineral, like all of that. It's like, yeah, it's actually not so bad if you, you know, your body can tolerate it. So I love me some leche. Also, I do love me some oat milk, but I call it jugo de avena because that's how I used to drink it growing up mm-hmm. and everybody on my Instagram agrees that it is jugo de avena wait translate that, that. No, yeah. jugo de avena is um juice. It's, juice it's juice so my mom used to make it so you soak the oats and you get the like water out of it and then sometimes they blend the oats and then because they're so soft they thicken the the water with it and then it becomes like a juice and then they add like flavors to it so like vanilla or cinnamon and they make like a drink out of it and it's really delicious and when the first time I ever tried oat milk I was like Mm, this is who they have and my mom has been making it for okay but this years. is not the first time Miguelina has been ahead of the game because no we Miguelina's ta- always ahead of the game we were talking about tea 
Yeah. And you told me that she made up her own varieties, like what I purchased from Celestial Seasonings. Yeah, yeah, because Dominicans <laughs> not, do not this. Sponsored. Like my mom has all the herbs. Yeah, my mom has all the herbs in in her countries, like in the Caribbean. I know this is big, but yeah, that oat milk that's on the shelf, like in our countries, they were making that a long time ago before mm-hmm. it became commercialized. It just it's not called milk because it's not milk. <laughs> it's not like technically. Well, some do you notice yeah. that sometimes they spell it with a Y, like M Y L K. I think the banana <laughs> one does that, don't it? Don't it? Yeah, it's crazy, but yeah, no, cheese, all of that stuff. <laughs> there's so much and again when we sit back and look at it it's like this has been around actually from other countries for centuries well let's talk about that then that's like a whole nother conversation another episode we can do like six episodes out of the conversations we we can list a lot of things that are becoming like yeah. mainstream now. That's so. it. Yeah, they didn't come out of thin air, right? Yeah, no, that Miguelina has been doing for a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well, I'm, I'm refreshed by this conversation because I think a lot of people who have been in like programs, Weight Watchers, Noom, any type of weight loss program, when you talk about eating out, the entire conversation is about control. Mm-hmm. They, they use like this very fancy word in behavior science of stimulus control. How do I, how do I set up my environment so that I behave? That is probably all the training you've ever had around operating in a restaurant or in a takeout experience. And this gives you an alternative to say like, what am I about? What satisfies me? So I hope, I hope this gives like a little different shake on things. If you're coming off dieting, such a relief. Uh, Yes, seriously. I have you, by the way, like, did you, uh, either of you like Google who the founders of Noom were, did you see what they look like? Can we do, can we do this live? Yeah, I guess so. Like I I saw an article And I was just like, oh, this looks like you're just everyday tech bros. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. And I like, like, okay, raise your hand if you're surprised. Yeah. No one's raising their hand. (laughs) (laughs) They are. They look like tech bros. Like, I mean, there's going to be a a movie on this, like the Facebook movie. Oh, totally. There's going to be a new movie. But I started cracking up. I'm like, I was like, on my couch if you could have imagined it better I yes because I'm just like of course of course so sorry that was like a that was like a well we also just did an episode episode on Noom Noom. and one of the things I talk about we talk about is that like the company is an engineering company I used to work for a startup for a very hot second and I my husband is also in engineering and the way that engineers think is algorithmic it is problem solving Mm -hmm. And so it makes so much sense that they produce something like Noom because it's like, so if this, then that about food, exactly. Like we're machines. And so they're probably brilliant and can solve a lot of the world's problems with their brains. I don't have it, but yeah. like, we, we need you to go stay in your lane. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> like that, like this area isn't helping. This is no. not where you're needed. No, no. <laughs> There's no. a lot of other areas. You solve but... the plastic issue. That's what we need to do. Yes. Recyclable is not the same as recycle. No, we just had this conversation. I know, <laughs> but I love, I like you're ready with the ask. You're like, in lieu of the Noom, can we have the plastics? <laughs> I want the plastic to be gone. Okay? Oh, we are so silly today. There's some silly energy in this room. I love it. I love oh gosh, it. I just want to fix the plastic. Problem. I know. Me too. I know. I know. I watched those articles about all the plastic in the ocean and it it's breaks very my heart. sad. The coral reefs. It, it is. It's, yeah. It's like we would have come up with it. Yeah. Okay. Like, and I have to say, like, whenever I talk about convenience foods or like processed foods and 
those comments, that's the thing that people will always say like, okay, but like, I don't want to consume it or we shouldn't be consuming so much plastic. And it's like, yes, 100%. But here's the thing we need, it's not just on the individual who that's where their access of food is. So again, that's why I always say like, yes, you can say those things, but it's, you know, it's still a form of food shaming when you're like, don't eat that. You should be making, you know, the food at home to avoid, like to avoid the plastic and all of these things. I'm just like, but you understand, like, not everyone can do that. And, you know, you have all of these companies where it would be great if they could figure out a way it's their packaging, (laughs) right? It's their, you know, it's their product. So it'd be great if we could figure this out, like no one's arguing that, but still like, it never fails where someone will come into the comments and be like, I cannot believe you're promoting it. Not even for like, not even for, you know, the bad food, but for like, you know, environmental reasons. And I'm just like, yes, I hear you. (laughs) Super. I'm thank you for saying that. And I wasn't expecting our segue to come back around. I know. Like like magnificent (laughs) detour there. I am listening to Bill Gates's book, How to Avoid a Climate Disaster. It is ultra dry. I'm not going to lie to you, but (laughs) it is kind of in line with what you're saying, pointing out that a lot of our beliefs and fears about plastics and environmentalism have to do with that. Like you individual work overtime to fix it. And he does such a nice job in this book, like pointing out all the different sources. What would we meaningfully do to make an impact? So it's a very dry book. If you can get through you it, put his body where his mouth is. That's what I want he is. To know. He is. Okay. I will say, and he calls himself out. He calls himself out in the book in a way that I appreciate where he's like, I 100% fly a private jet around this world. Yeah. And that is, that like, is what's Jeff Bezos doing. Like, I want to know that. Like yeah, I'm looking from a paper straw. What's Jeff <laughs> Bezos doing? <laughs> what is he doing? Nothing. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I will, I will say just paper in my mouth. <laughs> Nasty. Everyone. Bringing it back to something that Shauna and I learned that weekend that we were in DC, here's the main issue with that and and all of this information that's out there. Companies can say that they're doing this, but it comes down to the municipal recycling places and whether or not they have the ability to recycle the product that is recyclable, Mm -hmm. but you cannot recycle it because we don't have the ability to do it because whatever plant that they're using or wherever the, the trash or the recycling is going, they don't have the ability to take it apart, right? Because everybody wants paper cups, everybody wants less waste, but how are we going to hold your hot thing? There has to be a little plastic in there to be able to keep that paper from falling apart. And if that goes to recycling, right? And they don't have the ability to take that little plastic apart, then that whole cup is going to go into waste and not recycling because of that. So we Mm -hmm. learned that that weekend and I really much appreciated it because I thought that I was doing a great job recycling at my home, but now I have to do the research to see if my township actually recycled. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah. No better, do better. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, like these, the food guilt reaction Uh intersects with this, like the guilt is at the root. And it's always nice to take a step back and not act from that guilty place <laughs> because mm-hmm. it isn't always productive. Like, nope. sure, it feels temporarily good, like you're doing something, but is it what doing what you think it is? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah. not. Well, that's a great, great way to end. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> let's not feel guilty. Let's let's take our individual energy and put it together 
to fight the bigger picture. We will not be reading the Bill Gates book, but Melissa maybe will give us a little uh, <laughs> note, a little recap. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa is a nerd and could tolerate the boringness of that book. Um, I will tell you the takeaways are what Delina said in a much more fun fashion, as per usual. There you go. <laughs> I think you found your side hustle, Selena. <laughs> well, Shana, thank you for being here. Of course. It was so fun and appreciate your perspective. Shauna, this is our first time meeting. And I have to say like your page always makes me laugh and feel so good and positive. And you, you are all the things behind your page. So I'm just Aww, so thank you. to have met you and share your message on the pod today. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you for the invite also. Yeah, I could talk about these things all day. I mean, it's it's so funny. Like we, there's only a little bit of time, but you know, we could always go off on tangents. So this is fun. <laughs> Yay. All right. Well, thanks everybody. All right, everyone. So here we are. And we just finished this whole episode on processed foods. And can I tell you just how liberating I think it is for me and for all of you listening to really understand that there is a place and time for these foods. They are convenient. They're helping us. We live in a completely different time that our parents used to live in. And there's just so much crazy information out there. So bringing this neutrality into all of it is really what we want to do, right? It's the tools that we want to teach you with intuitive eating, but also connecting to your body and understanding that sometimes in different times of your life, as things change, you have to go with the flow and we have to learn to evolve and grow and shake shit up (laughs) as we are, you know, moving and grooving. And so really, we truly hope that this episode is going to help you at least neutralize the word process and really learn to do what's best for you and your body and use convenience that is at your disposal. And really what we want to, or what I want to talk to you about is how the Chula Club helps you do this, right? The Chula Club membership is not only teaching you my Chula method, which is walking you through how to make peace with food, honor your culture, honor your curves, reclaim your freaking life. It's also building a community for you. We are in there having fun, but we're also learning how to take our health back, how to reclaim our life so that we're not constantly micromanaging everything and really looking at the big picture so that as you move through life and grow, you have the tools that you need to really find health at any stage. So I invite you to come apply to the Chula Club. Come join us, come have fun, but in the process, honor your culture, take control of your health and find who you are in this crazy world without the fear. So come and join us. We thank you for being here and being who you are. Peace, love, and break the diet cycle.